Hello, people in the cubes, uh, cubicles. Welcome to Properly Brainwashed, a podcast about how to be as successful as the average mediocre white man. Damn, ain't that the truth? What? I mean, at least close to it. I'm AZ, the voice in your head, the resident blow up the spot girl. And I'm Andrea, corporate face to keep your check and that job girl. Every week, we cover popular business water cooler news you can relate to. And personal stories about our experiences in corporate America. Oh my gosh, and they gotta stay around for my brainwashing rants. Because this is about to tear up everything you know about standards in corporate America, cultures that are different, African-American versus everybody. <laughs> uh, Jamaicans. <laughs> Uptown Jamaica. I'm scared. <laughs> Let's get started. Yeah. So part of our topic today that we're going to get into is pink tax, but that's later. Right. The first thing I wanted to hit is this article about DJ Envy's cap on Angela Yee claiming to be the only one who worked at the Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Have you watched it? Breakfast Club? I love the Breakfast Club and I love her. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So what is the deal? Tell me. So she's got this new show called Way Up. Uh-huh. And it's on iHeartRadio. I haven't heard it yet. She was on the Tamara Hall show. And Tamara Hall said, you are the first black woman that has um, had their own show on iHeart. So the DJ, DJ Envy hit up Instagram on Friday night to respond to this interview she had with Tamara Hall um, that she says that she felt I was the only woman who worked there. I mean, when it came to producers, caring people, people, and it wasn't an easy room for me to be in. And I'm going to say, I saw some times where I felt uncomfortable for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? Yes. And it's a difficult position to be in for her because I'm sure whatever comment was made, she probably felt uncomfortable in the moment and couldn't really speak up or defend herself because maybe it was from a woman's point of view. So I saw her interview with Tamara and I, I like that she said there were different perspectives. It was it was a three of them, there was three co-hosts, and they all had their own individual perspectives. And did you see when Tamara was like, well you might get blamed for some of the things that the guy says and you know the the women are looking for you to you know, take their side at that moment, but you don't. But this, what she says is, I feel like I did need more uh, backup because, you know, mm-hmm. because things, even though I felt as a woman, somebody can't understand your point of view because they're not coming from where you come from. So that was hard for me being the only woman there. And I think a lot of women in corporate America, um, whether you are a marginalized group or just a uh, a white woman, whoever is in corporate America, sometimes when you're the only one in the room, it can be uncomfortable. However, I will say for a lot of black women, that's not the first time they've been in those positions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of black brown, usually it's not the first time they've been in those positions. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think they know how to stand up and come out more. There was things, this was, was difficult for me because a lot of the female entertainers came out against her and said, really? yeah, they were like, I remember you saying these comments about me. Little Ma, I think that's her name. Little Ma was one of them. 
Okay. And she was saying, you came out against me. You, you dogged me out. What are you talking about? You didn't back me up. So, but at the same time, sometimes you get into a space as a woman where you just want to agree with your, with the men in the room for the sake of getting along because it's part of the culture to just fall in. Mm, Okay. I think I did hear that little controversy and I think what she was trying to say is that sometimes she couldn't voice her opinion, you know? And so she felt as if sometimes she was isolated because her opinions might be different. Maybe she didn't feel like she could say what she truly meant. She couldn't be her authentic self. Well, why not? Like, why do women... In her position, she had a contract that she has signed on for 10 years. And Charlamagne and God is just popping out the box every which way. DJ Envy is... I mean, he's he's a machismo kind of, you know, guy, and he falls into the patriarchy system and, and submission of women, all of those things. That's his background. Mm-hmm. But if they had equal contract, what did her contract say that she couldn't stand up for herself? Because she was just as much as a co-host. She equally. was. She She's was. one third of the team. She wasn't like... She did say that she was one third. Right. And I guess from her perspective, did she feel as if she represented women? Well, let me just use her word. She says, sometimes I feel like I got it harder than Charlemagne the God did for some things that he said. And also, I I always wanted to make it clear that we were all three individuals. You say what you say, feel how you feel, and I do too. But it's hard because people affiliate you with the whole group. Oh, please. She was up there playing foul games, too. She has helped uh, make multiple women of color feel like the only woman in that room numerous times. I mean, did she have Stockholm Syndrome where you just become a part of the group to blend into a situation? Like what was she the- said, and many times we felt like the only woman in the room. And I watched Breakfast Club. I didn't listen to it because it just came to Atlanta, what, a year or maybe two years ago or something. So I watched it on YouTube, the, the, mm-hmm. the channel they had. And mm-hmm. I felt like when women came up, I didn't feel her energy. It seems like sometimes she wouldn't take the side or say that for women. For whatever reason, she didn't feel strong mm-hmm. in her role or in her power to... To me, like that's my. Maybe she was overpowered. I mean, when you get in a room with with men, you know, you have to be confident. You have to know. You know what? I'm gonna bring my shit regardless of what these that's men right. say. That's Maybe right. she wasn't feeling it. I mean, I don't know. She said she was there for 12 years. I could tell you, I've been. I remember distinctly being in a boardroom, and I had to do a presentation to the CFO, the CIO, whoever president of whatever and it didn't hit me until the middle of my presentation that I was the only woman in the room mm-hmm. and the only black woman the white eyeball staring back at you and you're like whoa and because I went in I'm like I know my shit I know what I'm, I'm about to present mm-hmm. I'm not gonna let them you know stare me <laughs> down a path of out of me being out of control in my mind so maybe she didn't feel that. You gotta have conversations with yourself to prepare yourself uh, mentally if you are in a room with all men. Those are two strong energies. So DJ and testosterone versus estrogen. I mean, it's it's more than that. They just have really strong energies they and really strong, strong opinions. So she really needed to pick up the pace. Yeah. Twelve years, I never saw her grow. Now Charlamagne God, I saw his growth. DJ and I can't speak mm-hmm. about for some reason. I just didn't identify with his point of views the same way. Mm-hmm. But with Charlamagne God, he had growth. He did some crazy stuff. 
he grew from it. He had um, positions that I didn't agree with, but that he would explain himself in a way like if you can agree or disagree, this is just his perspective. But Angela Yee, I never got her full perspective. It was mm-hmm. almost like she was just folding in, playing sidekick. I'm going to read the rumor report. They were busting and, 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 and really like... What's the word? Cut her off. I guess is the best mm. way. She'd be in the middle of a rumor report and they'll like pick up from her and she's trying to just read it. And I'm just like, she doesn't feel very strong, even though I loved her on the show mm-hmm. for her voice and mm-hmm. just how they move. Well, maybe she allowed that to happen. And, and yeah, we can't can allow that. With that. Yeah, though. maybe, you know, we can't allow that to happen. I mean, you have to really stand up for yourself. And sometimes it takes you going through the ringer and it takes you... Be- you know, going through those experiences, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being standing honest. up. Yes, you have to be honest, but you gotta, you gotta look within. Cause That's I could, right. you know, at the end of the day, I could think, oh, you know, what am I showing others? Do I, am I exuding that confidence? And how are they gonna feel that I'm confident? Do I know what I'm talking about? Am I verbalizing what I'm, why what am I, really I taking need? it in this way? You know, like there's, I always use this example because there was this old man. He was in the military. You know, military old men from back in the day that were in Vietnam War. They are like one of those people who live by the book. You know, they raise the family, they granddads, grandfathers, they live by the book, right? And this old guy in his rocking porch, rocking chair wisdom, was like, um, if you if you in a situation, 99% of it is your fault. The other 1% is bullshit, but 99% of how this is happening and unfolding is your fault. You in life. Reaction to how things You are happen. responsible you for are your responsible reaction. For yourself. You have to be accountable for yourself regardless. And I think that's a moment of growth for all of us is that you can't play, play the blame game. She's playing, I'm not saying she's playing victim, but she kind of, it wasn't, I couldn't stand up for my, yes, you could. Why, why not? You got to be able to take control. Of what you have control over. And that is your action. And that is to represent women. If that's your plight, if is that what she had set out to do? Like what was what were her goals and objectives for being a part of this yeah, radio show? Every time I heard her cut off, right, from DJ Envy or Charlemagne God, or they would roll over her words, right? I kind of felt that they were testing her a bit. Mm, to stand up. To stand and up fight and, and fight. show who you truly are, yeah. who you want to be, a, a yeah. voice that you want to represent. There, um, we're gonna move on to the next topic, but I have to say this real quick. So I watched Megan, the uh, horror film about the doll over the weekend. Let me tell you, I was like, oh, I want to watch this, but I was like, let me watch it in daytime because I'm a scared. I'm scary person. <laughs> like, let me watch it in daytime. So I watch it. While I'm like cleaning up on Saturday, and it's really good. It's like sci-fi. It's really I good. Like, right. I can go watch it. I'm gonna give you this line that I wish Angelique used. That I played back like three times. The creator of the doll and the doll are talking. And the doll goes, um, so they're talking. She's like, no, wait a second. She's like, you know what, Megan? Turn off. And she said, wait a second. I thought we were having a conversation. <laughs> wait a minute. I we had a conversation. Yeah. And I wish that Angelique said, wait a minute. I'm having a conversation. I wish yeah. you pulled uh, Kamala Harris and okay. said, I'm speaking. I'm speaking. Yes. You know what I'm yes. saying? And maybe yes. that was her wake up moment too. Yeah. It yeah. could have all, it could have been her wake yeah. up moment to be like, I'm speaking. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. And I just feel like even though they might have pounced on her, it, it might have been their way. Because men do this. It's like mm-hmm. showing your strength through pouncing on you. Mm-hmm. It's not healthy. 
Mm-hmm. But it's what men do. And maybe she didn't want to rock the boat. And, and sometimes yeah. you, you don't find your voice until your threshold has been. Yeah, but she left the situation versus taking up and she got lots of bags from Breakfast Club. This way up, I haven't. She, seems because, like she's happy. It seems like, you know, she feels like she is. Of our, you know, her future, that this led her to where she But is. did she deal with her issue at hand? Mm-hmm. Or did she just leave it? See. So the growth, there's yeah. a, that's a, a great point. And I, you know, I, and, and I hope that she would have learned from the 12 years that she was with the Breakfast Club and will take those lessons. And, and be- now, and yes, because how can you be successful if you're not authentic with yourself? Be honest with yourself. Mm. No, no. It's growth. I mean, hey, we all have to go through it. Well, I'll tell you something that was growth. Viola Davis delivered the third speech at the ASB Awards, and she says, I am very committed. Of bringing yes. black women to the forefront. Yes. Like, here I go. Sometimes, she says, as Angelique probably should have done, sometimes you have to look at your life backward and suddenly everything comes in perspective. Mm-hmm. So she'll be 60 years old, I believe, this year. Mm-hmm. And I, she's finally, her and Angela Bassett, I think, are about the same age, maybe two years apart. Four. Four years apart. There you go. It's amazing. Because it's hard. It's hard to age in. I'm like, um, which, I don't know where you fall in. Once, you know, somebody had uh, mistaken her for keep <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, geez. So, at any rate, uh, so Angela Bassett did an amazing speech at the American Society of Cinematographers. And for some reason, I feel like all the people are showing up at every award show this season. Mm-hmm. I, don't re- I don't recall, or maybe we get more press. Mm-hmm. She said, if you want to know me, don't ask me. And this is so true for women. If you want to know me, don't ask me how I do my hair mm-hmm. or where I live or ask me what I live for. And mm-hmm. that's what you That's so powerful. Oh, my gosh. That is extremely powerful. Yeah. I like that she constantly fights against the system. She wants us to be seen. She wants us to be heard. She wants us to be valued because she lived a broken life and she was able to overcome through her acting. Because mm-hmm. I read the article. It's a wonderful. I love her. I've seen growth. You know, I, I've just seen how she has evolved. And now her plight is to help others overcome. So she wants us all to be treated with dignity and respect. And you can't knock a woman for trying to lift us all. I love that the more she we see Viola Davis, the more we see Angela Bassett. Um, carry a box office and make it huge mm-hmm. and big, the more that people yes. in everyday life in corporate America will see us as valuable assets yes. to their organization and treat us as such. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you can see what she's trying to accomplish, mm-hmm. not just for like the the art itself, but for everyday women. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about actors, right? Mm-hmm. Because their ministry is mm-hmm. to speak for the that is, that is their ministry. And so the yeah. more that she comes forth, that her dark skin is made to be bankable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The more she's bankable, the better the rest of us are. That's why I, I love the people like Walter Davis, uh, Carrie Washington, and Angela Bassett. So I've never... Sure. Shirley Robin never forgotten what they're doing it for. Yep. Right? And so their energy in their heart always comes And through. they're the icons. I mean, they're the legends. They've been through the ringer. I mean, 
they're the role models right now. So in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. you know, well, let's look at this because you know, she owns Juvie Productions. I know. I saw that. Yes. Yes. So they're making some waves to do what they can Mm -hmm. to really get emerging writers and voices out there. And she says, as much as you want to put movies out there, as you, as you want to put movies out there to make a lot of money at the box office, and you want people to be reciting lines from your movie, and you get all excited about that, mm-hmm. I want people to connect with themselves. Yes. That is so She knows her ministry. She does. She does. Because at the end of the day, you can tell if someone just putting something out there just because. I mean, what's the meaning? What's, do you have something that is of impact? Mm-hmm. It's going to help the masses. Yeah, that's up here, right? It's way up here. We often buy tickets to the box office to see her on a big screen. She's amazing, but that is also true as we're sitting in our cubicles. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the other part. It's like, what do you come to the office for when you live for? And it's more than, yes, you're coming to get a check, and yes, you're coming to climb up whatever to the next level, or maybe you're not. I mean, some of us are just kind of sitting in the our job, and that's it, and that's fine. But knowing like, your energy of why you're there, that this job does not make you cook at all. Exactly. And you have to understand like, what's your ministry, why you're there. So that, that is, and a lot of people are stuck. I mean, hey, let's think about your goodwill chick who is stuffing <laughs> the clothes in the bag. You know, let's think about someone who's sitting in the cube and they're just there to feed their kids. You know, so you, you got to know what your why is. And, and everyone has different reasons, different perspectives, mm-hmm. different life experiences mm-hmm. that's driving you differently. So I might just want to uh, complete my project. Yeah, that's, you know, that's what I'm in there for. I'm in there for a six month stint. So I just want to be successful. I don't want to deal with the bullshit. So, you know, everyone has a why. You know, the biggest part for me is is that <clears throat> knowing your why going in or waking up. I've been at this company 10 years and you're waking up sitting like, now I, I'm going to put my constitution of self out and say, this is my why. This is how I move, right? Mm-hmm. And being able to now, like, change the world around you. You may hate your job, but if you can set a different value system for yourself, it may change the perspective of people around you. Or you just may not even see them the same way. So it, it may help to have your value system in place so that when people are dealing with you in the workplace, it may actually change the outcome a bit. So I, I just think uh, I, I just think that with Viola Davis dealing with, with how she wants to approach mm-hmm. her career mm-hmm. is the same way and having that definitive, this is how I want to approach my career, mm-hmm. it's the same way that women in, in corporate America say, this is how I decide to approach my yes. career. And setting yes. the standard up yes. front, like, okay, yes. this is how I operate. Yep. This is what I'm about. This is what you may see. This is what you're going to get from me. This is how I learn. This is how I communicate. And saying that stuff up front, it may seem like, okay, we're not, that's not about the business, but you're doing, it's a people business. You're doing it is people a definite people business, business that we're dealing with at the end of it all. Sometimes the work is easy as heck. It's the challenges. It's the different personalities that you have to maneuver and try to figure out, okay, that one's crazy. That one's a bitch. That he's a jerk. He's psycho, you know? And then you have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis just to get your work done. Mm-hmm. So 
ha- having your own personal constitution really helps. Mm-hmm. And that comes back down to who you are, you are and your core values. Yeah, but like defining what are those rules. are, right? And knowing and, and keeping that and staying true to that throughout your day-to-day activity. Actually, one of the lines of film said was, if you want to know me, don't ask about my hair. And I realized that when she's saying that, it's coming from this place of dealing with the makeup artists and all those folks who just don't know how to work with Black people's hair and don't know what to do with it. So you get this bad version of it that looks like a white woman's head on a Black woman's body, which is strange. Isn't it strange? Because they refuse to hire a Black woman. Don't they do hire people that can do that? No, no, most, no, most really? of the time they don't. You just have to work with it and do it with yourself. With what they have? Oh my God, yes. Or you just do it yourself. Or you oh, well, I'm coming come in and doing it myself. Now, I'm going to walk out looking crazy. Well, that's what a lot of them do. They put their own makeup in the bag because they never have the colors, so they, don't, they end up turning oh, wow. gray on camera. Ugh, right? Ash. Ash, right? So they put their own makeup in the bag. They uh, usually do their own hair or have their own wigs. Now, Atlanta, we don't have too much of that mm-hmm. going on because mm-hmm. of all of the black hairdressers and black producers here they understand what's happening here okay. but in hollywood they're just now getting around that we need diversity take what you get mm. did you see the scandal wig olivia pope that thing i was like whose hair is that like why did they shape it that way it's ridiculous i know that's your show <laughs> it's my show I'm gonna be critical. you remember my child i don't even remember but any case but part of this, the reason why I moved to that is that Dove and LinkedIn are joining oh, forces yes. now yes. to end hair discrimination in the workplace. And we talked about this in a previous episode that either you're going to go straight lace, mm-hmm. press it down so be comfortable for um, uh, people of non-black or people of non-curly texture mm-hmm. to, to be comfortable with you and approach you. Or you come in with an afro. However that looks. You know, it's funny. I... I... This topic is like ongoing and I, I had to go back to history. I'm like, okay, let me see what the history is behind us and our hair and why we did or do what we do in corporate America to be accepted. And so historically during slavery, women's heads were shaved and this was, it, their, their heads were shaved or covered as a means to dehumanize or control them. Mm-hmm. And that has just continued years upon years. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. So here we are like stuck in that mode that we have to, what, straighten our hair, do whatever to conform to white to make them comfortable standards so that when we go in with our afro they don't think that it's unprofessional because when you used to google unprofessional hair it was a woman with the afro that popped up do you remember that if you try to google it now i think they've changed it but i it, it's i think i see that things are changing and i'm i'm happy that this is actually going down in corporate america so they have started Bill, but let me just share a personal story. So I stopped going to um, mainly black hairdressers, a black hairdresser salon, because I am oh, impatient. Really? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like waiting. I, 
Grooming thing for me is a lot of work. Uh-huh. Two hours here, two hours there. Like it's like too much. It is like, a lot of time to sit there. And the reason do why I can't get those little beautiful lash extensions because it's like three hours. You want to lay here for three hours? I need to take a sleeping pill. I can't stay still that long. No, I can't. It's so difficult. So yeah. I started going to the white salons, and I went to Dominican, but then they burnt out your hair. So I was like, let oh, me yes. try white salons out. So I go to the white salon, and I'm telling you, it, like 10 years ago, I started going. And this is before we got comfortable. White people were like, is that how that happens? Like, what? what's going on with your hair? Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? Do you, like, press it? And I'm like, why are you in my hair right now? They just had so many questions for the hairdresser of what's going on with the hair. And then we hold on, hold on. when you went to the hairdresser, they were asking you those questions? No, the customers were, like, staring. Oh. They never seen the situation of... Customers were questioning how they were doing your hair? Well, they were just... They were enamored oh with the fact God. that my hair was like curly on one side and straight on the other. It wasn't, we didn't have this inclusion of hair. They weren't in our hair products. We didn't have TikTok and all that stuff to explain how our hair works. These are just idiots. I told you, this. My, the hair topic was very sensitive to me because I've always been, um, I share my personality in my hair. So uh, I do too, as you can tell with this platinum that I got going on. And I, that was a big thing for me in corporate America. They're like, oh my God, you did something different to your hair today. They're so into it. And oh my God, like, oh, that boring. How did you do Hello, it's versatility. I can do whatever I want. I can blow it. I can make it straight. I can make it curly. Wouldn't you like to do that without putting some chemicals in your hair? Even though, hey, we might put chemicals in our hair too. The Crown Act legislation coming up. Right. So the Crown Act legislation that bans discrimination based on protective hairstyles or hair texture has been made a sizable impact since California first passed it in 2019. Over the last four years, the bill has passed in 20 states. Companies like Dove have also stepped in to support the initiative. The brand launched its Crown Coalition with the National Urban League, Color of Change in the Western City. And this is huge. This is so big because of what we have to deal with and how many changes uh, Black women go through. And I don't want to be taught. I don't want you to ask me about my hair. Like, why, why are they talking about my hair? Can I just come how I want? What does it matter? Like, because people try small talk. I thought small talk will hurt. Small talk is terrible. It does. It does. You know, in, in this situation, when they want to touch your small hair. Off. But let's address the discrimination piece of why it was thought to be unprofessional to wear braids. Okay. Like why, what, what about braids made you look? It was simply that white women didn't do it. They were unfamiliar. Mm. That's it. Mm. It's unfamiliar to them. And so braids are. But but I, I mean, I, I'm excited that this is going on because, you know, it just shows you know, the resistance and resilience that we put up with to go through all of this. So here's the thing that Doug LinkedIn did. So they co-commissioned a study to unpack the social and economic effects on hair bias. And so they studied or they took a survey of about, I don't know, it doesn't say how many women, but Black women in corporate America. And about two-thirds of the women surveyed reported changing their hair ahead of the job interview. With 41% noting that they changed their hair from curly to straight for a job interview because we know it'll be more comfortable and mm-hmm. this is the way you get in. 
Mm-hmm. So we adjust who we are so that it's familiar to them and it, it, so that they'll accept us. Can I tell you this happened to me at, with a white woman? Let me tell you what she did. So I was leaving a company and they asked me to help with find my recruitment. Someone that was good fit, had like understanding of the tool and understanding the business and go after it the way I did. <laughs> And so there's this particular woman um, that came in, and I just had had her interviews at this point, and I was saying no to everybody, right? And so she seemed decent. She had the skills. So I offered her, like, maybe a three out of five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave her a little bonus for certain criteria that she met. And I was a little sensitive because she um, was out of the workplace for a while. I understood her plight a bit, right, mm-hmm. this white woman. So she had dyed her hair. So she appeared mm-hmm. younger. Mm. But by the time she came in for the job, she had gray hair. <sighs> and so she was way older. And when I was training her, she would get in a tizzy fit because she couldn't understand something new. Oh. And I'll be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have given her any kind of green light mm. because I knew what kind of world we were in. But she wanted to learn one tool. And my skill set was knowing all the tools and learning new ones when I, whenever they pop one up. Right. So that was my skill set that I can learn any tool that you put in front of me. Right. And because of her age, it just, it was a barrier for her because this is all she knew. And she was like, what do you mean I have to go on these extra tools? And she was going in and How much older was she? At the time, she was 59. I was 30 something. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah. And so she, we got, <laughs> dang. I mean, I'm just I'm being honest with my own biases. I wouldn't have, I, because I knew what they were saying. You had to be flexible and agile with how the company moved. They were merging companies every other day. And so every other merger created a new tool set that you had to learn how to uh, bring in the data, how to extract, and, you know, do ETL, how to write right, the data. Right, right, right. And so I knew she wasn't going to do it. I'm just sitting here thinking, though, um, the things that we have to go through just in the workplace alone. So we got to deal with, okay, number one, we're black women or women of color, you know, whatever variation we are, we got to deal with being a black woman. And now we got to deal with our hair. No, now we have our hair. We've been there. Deal with our hair. That, and, and what else? <laughs> the list just seems to go on and on and on. When does it end? But, but I mean, there, there seems to be a light at the end of the tunnel here with our natural hair uh, argument that has obviously been going on forever. So I guess there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So, well, I think that wraps up this segment of Water Cooler News. Um, in our next segment, we are discussing the illicit, the ridiculous pink tap. You done crunching? I think so. You feel better? No, I don't know. You know, the crunch, it releases anxiety. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have anxiety, crunching on almond, something harsh. Yeah, I did not know that. So, it's very helpful to crunch. Gosh. I thought that was having wine. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was having a drink. <laughs> Forget a crunch. <laughs> Oh, gosh. 
Okay, so today we've got the serious topic. Explore the insidious nature of the pink tax, the detrimental effects it has on, on, on women's value, ways we can take action to combat this unjust financial burden and promote true gender equality. Two things. One, I'm about to say something like real controversial. I don't want gender equality. <laughs> One. <laughs> Two. Two with the heck of pink tax. No, which one you want to unpack first? I'm going to do the pink tax first. And then you don't want to handle it? Okay. I ain't trying to go there. Let me, let me just handle the pink tax and then we can ease on into the gender equality bit. But, heck, I didn't know what the freaking pink tax was. So my 11-year-old kid comes home and she was like, Mom, I know you're doing this podcast. Debbie, 11? Yes, she's wow. 11. Yeah. Wow. Okay. She was like, in our English class, or I think it's English, one of her classes, she's like, we're doing persuasive writing. And my friend, her topic is a pink tax. And she's like, do you know what that is? And I was First like, of all, what grade are they in doing persuasive arguments? <laughs> well, you know, she's in the gifted program. So she's fifth. Okay, so you got your sixth grader coming home with the pink tax conversation at the dinner table. At the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And so I look at her. I'm like, baby, I don't know what that is. Okay. And she was like, well, here, let me send you an article. I love it. Sends me an article. I pull up this article and I'm like, oh, okay. It says, if you've ever seen the same brand of shampoo that's priced several dollars more for women than for men, you may have seen the pink tax in action. The pink tax or gender-specific pricing on women's goods contributes to the disproportionate financial burden that U.S. women face at a time when inflation is hiking up prices for many goods. This financial burden also has been disproportionate as it has mental health effects as 46% of women report that money negatively impacts their mental health compared to 38% of men, according to this 20, this poll. So basically what it's saying is it's expensive to be a woman. Yes. But that's why men should pay for the date. Ah. <laughs> Look at what I got to do just to get you a date. <laughs> well, expensive shampoo. Expensive, expensive razors. Expensive earplugs. What's earplugs? <laughs> A pink airplug that you fly with versus a blue airplug, it's more money. So it is everything that is branded that is colored pink. That is Does pink costs more? Yes. Right. Pink costs more. This is what the pink I mean, it was like pink costs more to make or something. Oh. <laughs> it's a dye more expensive. Yeah, right. Just because that's the marketing, that's the branding. That's what this is all about. It's discriminatory discriminatory pricing based on the color and the color is attracting females. So it's funny because California is always the one that seems to be starting stuff, but the the term pink tax was popularized around the mid nineties when the gender tax repel act of 1995 passed in California, prohibiting this pricing discrimination. It's when you go to Walgreens or Walmart or Target and you want to buy a razor. What brand razor do you use? 
Uh, I don't do razors. Oh, I only wax. Oh, you only wax? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> then, I, so I use razors because if I wax, I would be waxing forever because I'm a beast. I'm a hair beast. Sorry. So I'm, so am I, but mm. the Venus, I buy Venus, but I noticed the Venus was so expensive because it's all pink. And so the men razor is right next to it. So how much is that? It's like, it's like what? the men razor is like a couple dollars, five, six dollars. Mm-hmm. And the, the woman's razor is like eight, nine, 10, 11. Okay. It's more than that. Now it's like 17, right? Right. Like well, it depends on however many is in the pack. Oh, okay. so I think the $11 one might be one or two. It's crazy. So is that based on the fact that they believe men use razors more than women? And that ours last longer because we don't do it. We do it every eight weeks, but it's there every day. <laughs> they said women are likely to spend more uh, than men in this arena. So with your uh, health care products, your, your personal care. So it is all a marketing by these companies. So it doesn't actually cost more. It's just because it's targeted towards women. Yeah, so there was a study that they went out and they compared the exact um, ingredients of the shampoos, but just because it was in a pink bottle. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, so, I mean, they were like, okay, what the heck is going on here? Like, why? What? Why, why are women in have to pay more money when we, can, we can't even get a, a pay raise? Women are likely to spend more in pro- proportion to their salaries than men do, as the average single woman pays more in housing, health care, and apparel and services due to cost of living, family size, and other factors, according to the, this data. The average single adult woman earns thirty nine thousand annually and spends thirty eight thousand as of twenty twenty one, compared to the average single adult man's earning of forty nine thousand annually and spending forty one thousand. Factors such as pay gaps, as well as unequal spending and saving, all result in stark wealth inequality between men. And women. Families headed by women have 55 cents in median wealth for every dollar owned by families headed by men. Laws in the U.S. areas explicitly outlaw the pink tax. New York, California, and Miami-Dade, Florida. It's heavy. Is there a blue tax? Is heck no. Why? Now why would they wear a blue tax? No, actually, there is a blue tax. Is there? It is. So on the men's apparel side, there are extra import. Ta- uh, tariffs that are higher. They're higher on cotton shirts, wool suits, synthetic fiber suits, and swimwear. Mm. So there is a blue tax too. So the same same situation could be for men too on certain areas, but they do pay more for um, their shirts than we pay for our shirts, right? Mm. Like a hundred dollar shirt for men is like minimum for their button down. Mm. And I guess they're doing this based on demand because a man doesn't buy whoever buys as women that's right clothes so swimsuits for a man even though it's small they're not gonna buy it they're gonna they're gonna keep the same swim trunks for what 10 15 20 (laughs) years you know what i'm talking about and so they just can't get that elastic band to go anymore (laughs) yeah right (laughs) we need we need 
five swimsuits for each vacation. Don't and we? no, we're not going to repeat the one that we wore last summer. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I, I, not fit. <laughs> I am not advocating for this pink tax when it's the same. I'm not advocating for it at all. But what I am saying is sometimes you may charge more for people who are going to use it more or use it less. You're going to charge it if you use a razor less than a man. I know this man is going to buy this razor every two weeks, this pack of razors mm-hmm. every two weeks. And a woman's going to buy a razor every twice a year. It's consumer behavior. And that's how these companies so make money. So the real question is, is it right to charge for consumer behavior? And what else do you have to cover in this pink tax? I think that's it. Bro. What's your opinion? Um, it's, it's just a system that's constantly against women. Um, you, you don't know about that. You wouldn't think about that because these things market, they're marketed towards you. You know, they'll say, Oh, for the razor, you won't, you know, uh, nick your legs. So you do buy into Mm -hmm. the the marketing Mm -hmm. of the pink razor because it's more feminine and it adjusts to your curves whatever else and you don't think about it you don't think that it's more expensive but when you do pay attention because i started using mike's razor i'm like there ain't no difference with this razor she's not like the same way that the pink one does mm-hmm. so i was like you know uh hello if we're you know be on let's a budget harder. let's let's go ahead and pay attention mm-hmm. and do your price comparisons at the end of it all i mean why, why should i pay something uh, for more money just because it's pink. So women out there pay attention to those personal products that are at a higher rate for us. I know New York had the same situation happen with the hairdressers. They were charging women more for haircuts yes, than they were I charging did. men. Right. I didn't hear about that. <clears throat> I, I mean, Mike complains when he goes to get a haircut and it's like $60. He's like, what? Yeah, it's $40. $40. <laughs> for a haircut. No, he's like, oh, I don't recall that. Yes. Back yes. in the day, it was like 20 yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's 40, 50, mm-hmm. 60 dollars for a haircut. Mm-hmm. Who says so? You know, often I need it. This is my thing. If you're going to come every week, you need a haircut quicker than a, a woman needs her haircut. It makes, it, it evens out in that regard mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Because they, they're supposed to come back every week for a haircut. Right. I asked them, were you getting your hair a massage? Oh my word, were they washing your hair? Like, what are they yeah. doing? No. My son hates it. He's like, I'm like, I won't get it. That costs too much. I was like, yeah. I got to go on Hamsies. Like, what? <laughs> Just to eat it. I don't remember. I remember going in and my little hair comes $50, but now he costs 40 plus $50. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you talking about? No wonder all these men growing their hair. They're like, it's never worth it. I ain't going to the barber because I ain't paying $60. Or, or or you learn it learn it yourself and go compare. I mean, no, I don't see how anyone can see the back of it. But whatever. You silly. Get a mirror. Handheld mirror. Uh, I'm like, I can do it. I would have had a big old gap in my you head. You see what I'm saying? I tried. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, I can't do this. I'm like, why did I do it? Anything else you want to cover on this slide? Ah, thank God. Good. It, we ain't talk about the gender equality. I don't even know if I want to touch that conversation. Nobody wants gender I equality. Don't, I, I don't want to touch that. Why don't you want to touch it? Mm-mm, that's. Whew. I promise you, no one wants gender equality. Like, if you want a gender equality, a man shouldn't open the door for you, should he? Uh, if you want gender, my husband's very 
If you want Jimmy to crawl, who's the first one gets out of the bed when there's a, a somebody knocking at the door for you? If you want gender equality, you think I'm gonna do the same job nine months pregnant a man does when he ain't? Nope. <laughs> I want well, the, I well, think pay, same pay equal work. Why does it have to for those examples, why does it have to be that specific? Maybe he that's just his role. Maybe that's the role that he plays. Why does it have to be those Okay, let's gender equality so in let's life say for a second. Gender equality in the workplace. Okay, now if you say in the workplace there's a difference because men have a certain strength. Right? Men can do what they want based on their own preference. My husband does the laundry. Yeah, that's not gender equality uh, issue, though. I don't what if, that. Okay, but you said waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And someone's knocking on the door. So, I'm going to tap you and say, you go, you go open the door. That's, that, that's protection. That's gender that's, protection. that's gender inequality. Well, hello. What if, who's who's what the if, protector then? Okay, well, what if you and I <laughs> were partners? One of us got to go open the door. What you talking about? You mean if you and I were partners? Hello? You mean a lesbian relationship? Yes! There's a masculine and feminine situation. Okay, so then where's the gender equality in that? My point is, is one, gender is about how you present, and sex is different. Sex is male-female, and gender is how you present. And in a lesbian relationship, there is a male-female situation going on. One is more masculine than the other. Like, let's get that get that right. So one knows to go to go get the damn door at four o'clock in the morning. Somebody's knocking on it. Now we both can go get the door if that's our thing. But for the most part, when I go out for dinner, if it's if we're in if we're dating, we can both decide. You pay this time, I pay this time. That's cool. Like that prop that phase of our history. Is over. I think we would have to go through. There is not gender inequality because I can create life. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> I can create life. Too. You got the man. You, uh, you got the sperm and you got the egg. So you I'm going go, you can go through that argument. You can grab sperm anyway. Yeah, but you need a man to put, go to the sperm bank. Yeah, you need to, but I can still create life. I got to carry the life. But the man is, you can't do it without a sperm. Fine. So what does that mean? I still got to carry this thing for it to come to fruition. I still got to be healthy for it to come to fruition. All you did was like shoot up. Yeah. So (laughs) that could just be your role. Whose role? It could be. The point is, since I'm over here creating a whole life for nine months, that took you 30 seconds. (laughs) That is not equality. Is that equality? No, it's not. No, it's not. I don't agree with that. You tell me that's equal. It ain't working. (laughs) I can create life. I attribute you. You can't create life by yourself. What you are doing is taking this baby. You can't create life unless I take care of myself. The end of it all. Hey, don't get me started on the differences between a man and a woman. We are definitely the stronger sex. So from that perspective, yeah, we stronger because so you can pop out a baby. That's not that's not weak. That's what I'm saying. We are not by what? Okay, now you now you. That's what I just said. We not weak. We are not weak. That's what I just said. I know that. You're not surprised like I called us weak. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, like that's not even in my hey. vocabulary. Okay. To- Describe us. So you believe in gender equality? I believe gender equality in the, in the workplace. I believe gender equality in the workplace, but I do believe that 
men and women have different roles to play. Oh, we got someone in the chat talking women want selective equality on discretionary case-by-case basis. It ain't necessarily wrong. That's different. If we have the same... Chances are I'm definitely doing it better than... Chances are. Yes. Because I probably have taken in all the roles with roles of different ones. So chances are. So I'm not talking about in the workplace and the pay gap. I'm just saying in the world, in the social world, we're not talking about in the workplace. Yeah. In the social yeah. world, I'm more bankable in the workplace most likely than a man. Because yes. I'll take care of the community. I'll take care of your company like it was mine. Yes. If I was really invested in that regard. But in the social community, do you want equality? No. Okay. That's all I'm saying. No, I don't. <laughs> there is something that are, a man is just supposed to. Uh, doesn't it feel more comfortable for a man to do? Like you, you take that on, please. I'm not talking about laundry. I'm not talking about cooking because a lot of men cook and women yes. don't. A lot of women do laundry. laundry. So I'm not talking yes. about that stuff. Yes. But there are certain things that it's just nice to have a man do. I agree. Workplace different. Mm-hmm. Probably should pay me more. <laughs> well, anyway, that wraps up this segment on team tax. We're going to say we're going to be right back. With, um, this is the thing. I have a um, a thought on kind versus nice. I brought it up in one of our episodes, mm-hmm. and I, it's just been nagging the hell out of me. Okay, and I just feel like. Uh, we need to really understand the difference. I had a whole argument in a way with um, this Uber driver, but we'll talk about it when we come back. Time versus nice. Let's take a break. We're back. Uh, and I have a little story. So I was in my lift. And this lady was talking. She had all these opinions and all this stuff. And for somehow, some reason, I got on this, um, my kick, which is my own constitution of... I I like being kind more and I strive to be kind more than being nice. And she's like, what? There's no difference between the two. Right? And she's just going in and in and in and in. So I was right. like, oh, okay. She's right. like, well, I'm good friends with Oxford. Right. Look what the dang on dictionary says. And I said, oh, okay, let's look. The definition of nice is being pleasant, agreeable, and satisfactory. That's okay. the definition of nice. Okay. The definition of kind is a group of people. Oh, let me move that to the second one. It's character and nature. And I said, I can be 100% of the time kind. I cannot be 100% of the time nice. Therefore, it doesn't make any sense to be nice. It makes more sense to be kind. And let's just break this down a little further. So here's the deal. And I'm going to get way into it. I can, I, you know what? I can see that. I can see there being a difference. Oh, you finally see, because you're probably the first person. I do. I, I've said this for years, and people are like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm not a nice person. I'm kind. I don't like kind nice and mean. You can't be, you can be nice and mean. No, you can be kind and mean. I don't know mean. about kind and mean. But you're not nice. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general, I'm saying I don't think you can be kind and mean, because that takes you out of the kindness. But keep going. Let me hear your Okay, let's see. Let's and see. And then I'm going to so nice is related to serial killers, narcissistic oh. people, people who steal children. Oh God! What? Huh? What? These are all nice people. He was a nice guy. I can't believe that happened. Women beaters. Oh, they're all nice Lord. and agreeable people. I didn't think that he would do something like and that. There you go. Oh. 
They're not kind. I don't like nice people. I like mm. kind people. Because he, you know what? he was too nice. <laughs> that part. For real. Most most of the people that we have like, I can't believe that happened was a nice person. They're not truthful. So this lady is going back and forth. And I read the definition. She still don't get it. She's stuck on her stuff. I said, you know what? In my head, I said, I'm going to be nice. I'm about to be nice to her. I was like, you know what? You're right. Yeah, that makes sense. Ooh. And she was like happy. That you said that? Yes. Yeah, because now she now you see like, That's now what I'm doing. I'm being nice. And she appreciated that. No. But I just agreed with her. You know, mm. I agree. I was like, she don't even know I'm twisted. And she was so excited. So nice equals being agreeable. Yeah, that's the definition. And people pleasing? The thing is, is try being nice for a week. Never, ever not being agreeable. Never, ever be anything else but agreeable and pleasant. Try being nice for a week. It's, it's like... That's impossible. Exactly! That's why it doesn't make sense. So that's why I said you could be kind and mean. I don't know about this kind and mean. But mean, I don't know what the definition is of that. And I don't know what it is when you're not nice. So you tell me what's the opposite of not being nice. Kind to me, sorry. Kind means that I have, I'm, I'm, I give you gifts. I'm kind hearted. You know, I I do things for you. I, I feed the homeless or, you know, it could. It also means not to tell the child they can't have a, some sugar. That's being kind. Being nice yeah. for giving the child a sugar yes. cube, right? Yes. And being kind is saying no. For your health. I'm but looking out for your kind. benefit. And so my argument has always been, Jesus wasn't nice. No, he was not. <laughs> he was very kind, but he is not nice. So, so like, what's the opposite of not nice? That's why I said you could be kind to mean. I don't know about the mean part. But okay, so I, I focus so on not best. nice. No, no. Nice has nothing to do with being kind. Being kind means being true to myself and being true to you and treating you with kindness, right? That's treating you with kindness. So we have to you separate don't the two. You don't have to be mean. We have to separate It shouldn't be in there at all. But people associate the two together. That's my problem. Right. Is that you don't do kind and nice. Do not be nice. That nice isn't good unless you need to use it to be fake. I, if I use it to be fake, you're getting played. I'm just like trying to end the conversation and it's not kind to do, right? It's really not the kind thing to do is like, I appreciate what you said, but I just don't agree. But I think your, your opinion is valuable. That would be the kind thing to do. The nice, which is nice mean was nice, nasty, right? was, Oh yeah, I agree with you. That makes sense. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's complete bullshit. I get it. You see the difference. I get it. I do. I, I do looked it up. And I don't think that the, you believe in the Bible principles, principles of life that oh, they have, right? Yeah. And so there's mostly absolutes in the Bible, meaning you absolutely should not kill anybody uh-huh. unless you're in danger. Remember, I believe right? in the golden rule. Remember, you don't. You believe in the golden rule, right? <laughs> what do you okay. okay. You can go there right now because that's the whole thing. And so I looked. Do you know there's zero mention of nice in the Bible? It doesn't have, it never mentions being nice. Not one time. You Googled this? You looked this up? Oh, I looked it all the way up. Years wow. ago. There's not one mention of being nice. So where does the word nice, nice come from? From America. Lord. <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. It didn't even exist in Hebrew language. America made this word wow. up. Because it's a part of capitalism. 
There are 78 mentions of the word kind. Zero of nice, because nice never was a word. Some shit we made up. Because it's terrible. Anything American American cheese. Shit you make up. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Okay, you taught me something today. I think you taught the listeners a whole lot, too, because I had no idea. It's no way you can be nice. It's not being kind to yourself. To be nice and to be agreeable 100% as an absolute, it's, it's not good. Kindness is always more authentic and it's better. It's not a thing. It's not. You can't find one mention in the Bible of nice because the word didn't exist. Mm. Though nice is used to mean pleasant, it's historically meant dissolute. The words includes appropriate and inappropriate. I don't know what that is. Comes from a Latin word, ignorant. <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. It's getting worse and worse. Oh, wow. It's getting worse and worse. So nice means, nice means ignorant. This is the thing. Real English is stupid from the old French wow. Latin. Ignorant is not to know. Nice. Coy, reserved, giving rise to traditions, scrupulous. Mm-hmm. Now say you're a nice person and try it for a whole week. I want anyone who does not agree with this, try being nice, 100% agreeable and pleasant, 100% for a whole week. Wow, check this out. Oddly enough, for a word that has so many possible meanings and which carries such specificity in a, whatever, in a number of its senses, nice is frequently banned by writing teachers. This is due to students' apparent overuse of the word in its agreeable, pleasant sense, particularly in situations where another word might be a better fit. It's a sunny or mild day is more specific than it was a nice day. Nice is passive. Our librarian is funny and tells you more than our library is passive. Nice. Nice is not a good word. Yet nice, like overwhelming majority of words, is neither good nor evil in itself. If an instructor or editor is determined to remove nice from the writing, you can always claim that you're using it in one of these mirrored ways. Wow, that would be nice in some sense of... (laughs) Okay, gotcha! You know, nice will pay you for it. Like, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. They pay you poorly. A kind person could not do that. He's nice. <laughs> oh, okay, I've got one in the kind party. I'll take it. I have one you, more. You got that. You got that. You I'll got take me on it. That. I All like right. it. I, that was This wraps up this segment here. We're going to come back next with Andrea's word on being a bad ass in her place. Or in life in general. That's how she wrote. That lady was so, I can't believe you said that to me. You don't understand. Ah. <laughs> I was like, okay, lady. That was good. <laughs> and it says that nice people are always stressed out. Me and Yeah, because they're so tired. People are pleasing. Yes. That's what I, it cannot be associated with saying that actually means ignorant. Can you believe that? I did not know that. 
People used to, you should see them when I'm doing conferences. I did a conference in front of 90 people and I was like, I'm a kind person, I'm not nice. And you're like, what did she say? It's rocking my world. There is no room to be nice in this world. Mm-hmm. Kindness. You know what I mean? I was totally nice to that woman. And it felt it felt bad when I was nice to her, but it made her feel good. But it felt bad for me, which is not an equal situation. Mm-hmm. Kindness would have felt really good. Mm-hmm. Let me say, I appreciate what you said. But you're, you're, equal to, you're a yes man. I was just doing it because that's what she wanted to hear. And I needed to get on my ride and get out of the car. So I'm just going to give this two seconds of, right, and I'm out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hate not being honest. And so, like, I have to tell you. What's on my mind? Because you're kind. I have to tell you. But being nice would not be that. So being nice means I'm shutting up and I'm just going to walk all over me. It's ignorant. <laughs> we'll be right back. Ooh. Welcome back. Wrapping up. You know, last second. Andrea or Andrea. Oh, Lord. Gosh. I, okay. I like the English version. Andrea. Andrea. That's sounds like a bucket. Are you tired of feeling overwhelmed and stressed, powerless in your life? Do you crave a sense of control over the chaos and uncertainty that surrounds you? Then I have a quote for you. Incredible change happens in your life when you decide to take control of what you do have the power instead of craving control over what you don't. Mm. Woo! Now, this has been our mantra in our journey. And we had to come to that realization because we were have been working years on our project and we were like no shit but we need to have control why are we waiting for people's permission why are we putting the onus on them to do what we want so we are taking control by having this moment together by making the change that we want to see by fulfilling our goals and not waiting on the sideline. We're in the game and we're in it to win it. So we have the power to control everything in our life. So take that power back. That wraps up this week's episode of Properly Brainwashed. Here's the episode. Stereotypes are only true in re- because they're reinforced and they they are accurate in some regards. But what the real history of it is is how much did you get from how much are you getting as a Jamaican from Black Americans? I'm out of call.